What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. I am Justin Van Zuden, aka STL Cardinals 84. We'll be hosting the show as usual. We bought, brought back the three man booth for US Open Week. Should be a lot of fun. So uh, happy to introduce my two co hosts, uh, as usual, Mr. Notorious Derek Farnsworth on one side. Noto, what's going on? Yeah, not much. Uh, excited for the week. Always uh, a fun uh, week to look forward to when it comes to the majors. I uh, didn't have uh, the best week ever last week. Had like three guys in contention. None of them could get the job done. But uh, what a finish from uh, Nick Taylor there. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. But uh, man, these uh, non-elevated events have uh, sure delivered, even though you know they haven't had the strongest fields. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really fun tournament. Uh, no shortage of, you know, you, you could argue that there was maybe 20 or so players in contention on Sunday as Rory backed up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, some of the other guys came back to the field and uh, Taylor, uh, I believe, made the cut on the number or one above the number. Um, and then, you know, shot like nine under on Saturday to get in the mix. And then uh, it just goes to show you that if you make the weekend, you got a chance. And, uh, of course, a Canadian winning the Canadian Open. Uh, you've got Tommy Fleetwood kind of, uh, depending on your perspective, choking it away-ish uh, there at the end. You've got Adam Hadwin getting tackled by security. Just all sorts of uh, things happening there. And the playoff was fairly lengthy, too. So uh, it was quite the finish on Sunday. But uh, cool to see a Canadian win the uh, Canadian Open for the first time in a long time. We've talked about that curse over the years. So uh, I guess that's lifted with Taylor draining a huge eagle putt uh, to win the tournament. But we've got Han Dizzle as well, Jacob Horton, uh, who joined us, uh, well, filled in for me the week that I was on vacation, but uh, had joined us prior to that for the PGA Championship as well. We did the snake draft with him for the first time, and I believe he took that down, if I remember correctly. So uh, we'll see if he can keep that uh, major streak alive. But, uh, Jacob, thanks for joining us again, and uh, how's things going? Going well. Excited for the week. I think there's a lot to uh, to unbox this week. We've got a U.S. Open that's uh, on a course we haven't seen. So there's a lot of moving parts. Excited to, to get into it and figure some things out. Yeah, and we'll dig right into that here uh, just uh, in the interest of time. I mean, a lot of times we spent a little more time going back at last week, but just some quick thoughts. Again, Taylor beat Fleetwood in the playoff. You had Hatton in the mix as well. A uh, strong week for uh, guys that have been playing well over the last month or so. You had Justin Rose up there again. Uh, Eric Cole has had a really good season. Um, uh, old standby Doug Gim with a top 15 last week. Adam Hadwin before getting laid out by security, top 15 of his own. Um, guys like Will Gordon, Matt Kuchar, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Corey Connors, all finishing inside the top 20 as well. But uh, Noto, any other takeaways uh, for you from uh, from the tournament last week? Yeah, the other course was pretty cool. Um, other than 18, you know, everyone hated on 18 because you were hitting, you know, five iron and then three wood into the green. It was kind of weird uh, the way they just had to lay up to like 250, 260 yards. But uh, I thought the course held its own. Uh, played a little tougher than we kind of expected. Um, the rough was really thick. But yeah, you had some uh, some crazy rounds. You know, Nick Taylor, you mentioned, made the cut on the number or one under. He shot 75 in the first round, uh, three over, and then ended up winning. Uh, Hatton, like you mentioned, went 72-64, 72-64. So um, I was kind of tilting to him because I had an outright on him. And, uh, you know, once Taylor made that birdie on 18, you know, my chances were dashed. And then uh, Fleawood made his birdie on 17, and I, I made the mistake of tweeting out, oh, congrats to Tommy for winning because I kind of figured – you know, 
he could birdie 18. Everybody else has been birdieing it all day. And uh, everyone that bet on Tommy wasn't too happy with my, my tweet there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little jinx. Uh, apologies to anybody that had a, a ticket on Hatton. But, uh, man, uh, awesome finish from Nick Taylor. Uh, obviously, we got to talk about uh, Adam Hadwin getting tackled by security. That was, uh, you know, one of the funnier moments so far on the PGA Tour. And, yeah, I mean, it looked like a blast being there. I mean, the whole crowd was just uh, raucous. And, uh, man, they were they were all in on Nick Taylor. I also thought it was kind of cool seeing, you know, some of the British guys uh, sticking around for Tommy. Um, we saw Lowry and uh, Hatton and can't remember who else was there. But uh, there were a lot of players, you know, sitting around 18 rooting for their guy, which uh, I thought was kind of cool for something that wasn't a major. Yeah, just an interesting atmosphere there. Um, of course, uh, you know, Hadwin uh, has, uh, for his part, uh, kind of, you know, taken the blame for rushing the the green there. But a really good form tackle by the security guard. I, the uh, NFL should be uh, going to sign him up. Uh, so just a nice uh, waist-level tackle. No, no blow to the head or anything like that. But, uh, Jacob, any other takeaways from the Canadian Open for you? In addition to everything, Noto said the elephant in the room, right? The the big merger. I thought that was a, you know, obviously a big for the world of golf, and just sort of figuring that out moving forward, right? Like how do how do people look at things? How do the players react? So like how will that even going into this week, right? So non elevated event, like how many times are these guys going to get asked that question this week, right? Like how much of a distraction is that going to yeah. be? Yeah. Yeah, and that, that news had just broken. So we did last week's show on Tuesday. We did it a day later, and it was actually the day the news broke. So we didn't know. I guess we don't know a whole lot more than we do than we did then. But uh, especially going into a major week this week, and now you've got the live guys there as well uh, with this week's tournament. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, kind of how all that plays out uh, in the midst of a U.S. Open, uh, and you know how the uh, the media. Uh, reports come out this week and uh, the press conferences and things like that. And uh, it's going to be another fascinating week of golf. It's also, uh, if you're in the States, it's West coast time with the tournament in uh, LA. So uh, it's going to be a later lock than normal and uh, maybe some prime time golf. If you're on the East coast, Uh, that never stinks to be able to watch golf in prime time. So uh, it will be a fun tournament this week. Of course that we have not seen, uh, I did watch a couple videos today and flyover and things of that nature, uh, trying to get a feel for how the course is going to play. Uh, it's a par 70 as tradition for the U.S. Open, but three par fives and five par threes here at Los Angeles Country Club. Uh, and so, of course, that for a par 70 is certainly going to play pretty long. Uh, but uh, Noto, what have you uncovered on the course this week? Yeah, we've got uh, NBA official Scott Foster uh, in the chat. Uh, he says he's uh, at LACC right now. So if you have any uh, tips for us, feel free to put them in the chat. Uh, I can't wait to see this course. You know, typically we always get excited for a major and uh, we kind of learn about the course, you know, as the week goes on. But, uh, man, people have been looking forward to this event for over a year now. Um, like you mentioned, I've watched a couple of videos as well. And uh, it looks like a much different uh, U.S. Open test than we typically see. You know, typically we have – Whoever hits the longest and straightest is going to give themselves the best chance to win. And uh, I think this course is going to kind of require more of an all-around test. Um, the fairways here, there are some that are extremely wide. I mean, up to 80 yards wide, uh, I think number 13 or 14. And uh, most of them have, you know, a lot of uh, undulation to them. So if it does play firm and fast, you're going to see about you know, 50 yards, 
speakers are awesome, uh, visually appealing. Um, they have like that thick, buff, lush rough around them. Uh, so those are going to be cool. Um, they are, you know, heavily uh, defending all of the greens. The greens, you know, they're not just a, you know, one shape. Um, some of the greens are narrow. Some of them are uh, shallow. Uh, some of them are big. Some of them are small. You have a drivable par four in play, uh, three par fives. Uh, the par threes everybody's going to be talking about, you know, two of them are over 285 yards. I don't think they're going to play that way, you know, all four days because the way that they set up the tees, uh, they can play around with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be an awesome course. I do think it's kind of going to require, uh, I've heard some people say it's more of a second shot golf course just because it is so you know wide off the tee. Uh, there's a barranca that cuts through a lot of the holes, which uh, is cool. No water hazards, but uh, there is some out of bounds in play as well. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, I think all around is kind of the, your best bet. Um, it's going to play a little bit different than most Southern California courses like Torrey Pines and, and Riviera and those. But uh, yeah, I want to hear your guys' thoughts because uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. What do you think of the uh, course this week? Excited to watch it like Noto. I think that, you know, we get a new venue. You have to keep in mind that the one thing that's consistent is how the USGA does business, right? It's always going to be thick, rough. Now, will it be uh, as much of a, a penalty when they miss fairways? Um, my early read is pretty wide fairways, so not as much, but around the greens, I think so, right? Typically, you know, you think of USGA events, and I've been at a few clubs where we've had qualifiers. It's par is always kind of a good score. They always like to protect the the score of par. So, course setup. You know, I've heard some cool stuff like uh, one par three that's like 120 something yards could maybe play mm -hmm. as little as 80. So, I mean, again, I think that the last thing that they're going to want to do uh, at a new venue is embarrass the members and allow these guys just to tear it up. So they will probably get it firm and fast. You know. Few hundred par should win. You know, I don't think that uh, driving accuracy, like it, you know, when I was growing up, U.S. Opens were always like you just had to like keep it in play off the tee to have a chance. I don't think that's the case this year at this course, but definitely some accurate second shots, a lot of long second shots as well. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be a lot of 175 plus yard shots. Uh, Noto mentioned the long par threes. Um, you, they, with the drivable par four, I mean, conceivably, I guess we could have a day where a par three plays longer than a par four if they want to set it up that way. But, uh, yeah, it will be fascinating to see how this plays the back. The back nine is like 300 and some yards longer, uh, than the front nine, which I think is interesting because the front nine also has two of the par fives. So, uh, just based on, you know, what you see on the scorecard, it would stand a reason that the front is going to play easier, uh, but there's also more hazards cutting across the holes on the front side. So uh, maybe a little bit miss a little bit more risk reward on the front uh, where, and then just kind of trying to, to hold on for dear life on the back, particularly the closing stretch. So uh, will be fun to sweat the end of the tournament and the, uh, the cut line on Friday afternoon uh, slash evening, depending on where you are. Noto, anything else on the course before we get going? I did listen to uh, the Friday Egg podcast. They had Jeff Shackelford on. Uh, he helped with the uh, restoration of the course. And he was saying that the USGA wants to highlight uh, the course's features rather than trick it out. He thinks the winning score is going to be 13, 1400 par range, which would be very unlike most US Opens that we see. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out if it does get firm fast and they grow up the rough and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to require solid all-around tests. 
All right, let's go ahead and uh, dig into the golfers here. Uh, pretty crazy. I think this is the first time in a while that we've had five golfers above 10K, and Rory McIlroy is not one of them when he's in the field. So uh, we've got Scheffler, of course, who's just been nuts. Tita Green uh, this year. We've got Rom. We've got uh, Brooks, always in contention in the majors. Uh, we've got Cantlay, and we've got Hobland as your 10K-plus golfers this week. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to throw this top tier to you first. Uh, what are you doing with the top five this week? My biggest question is, how's Cantley that expensive? What has he done to, to deserve that price, right? Um, you know, I think that obviously you can make a case for any of these five, right? Hovland would be the one that people shy away from, um, playing some really good golf recently, working on a short game with his coach, Joseph Mayo, working on some different shots. Um yeah, when you build rosters this week, if you put any of these, well, especially the top two, if you put either one of those guys in your roster and start playing around with it, you just sort of really see what that actually costs and, and how the structure was. I mean, you can't argue going against either of those guys, right? I think that um, they're they're the top two favorites to win, in my opinion. I'm not crazy about Brooks. I mean, at the end of the week, if you see him, if he wins, it's not going to be a, a surprise by any means. But I, I definitely want some exposure. To, to Scheffler and Rom, it's just that at what point when you talk about, I think it's really important to talk about rosters this week. Six of six is going to be pretty hard, right? Sixty in ties. So if you get six of six through, so if you if you build a a, a Scotty Scheffler roster, and then let's say you want to go down and grab somebody, you know, right around that eighty nine hundred mark or a little bit lower, then I mean you've got to really get value, right? So uh, it's more of what he costs, not his talent. So if you're building those rosters, you have to tell a story in which you think there's some guys at the bottom that can perform well. Yeah, absolutely. It's not your typical major pricing that's super soft. I mean, it's not uh, the hardest pricing we've seen, but uh, not what we'd often see from DraftKings for a major. It's a little bit more difficult than that. So, uh, Noto, what are you doing with the top five? Sorry, making sure I wasn't on mute there. Um, Okay, quick quick uh, uh, trivia game. So we know Scotty Scheffler's been great tee to green. Any guesses on how many strokes he's green, gained tee to green in his last three events alone? No idea. Any guesses? 51. Ooh, I was going to say 30. That would have been way low. Yeah, unbelievable uh, how good he is striking the ball. I mean, he could be winning events while losing four strokes putting on a weekly basis. So I do like Scheffler. Um, Rom, anytime you get him in California, he's been, uh, you know, winner here a couple times at, at Torrey. Uh, he plays the the Amex well. He plays uh, Pebble well. Pretty much anyone that you want to look at, he plays well. Brooks at Majors is solid. Um, obviously coming off the win of the BJ Championship. Um, Cantley does feel a little bit overpriced, like Jacob mentioned. But uh, he's a California kid. Uh, I think he's very familiar with this place. So that obviously helps a little bit. Uh, and then Hovland, T7 or better in three straight majors. Um, it's hard to poke a hole in any of these guys. If I'm going to rank them, I'm probably going to go Scheffler, Rom, Cantlay, Brooks, Hovland. But, uh, yeah, to Jacob's point, uh, roster construction is going to be important this week. Uh, the 7K range is pretty strong, but it's not like you want, you know, your third guy in your lineup to be 7Ks, and that's kind of what you have to do if you take one or two of these guys. Ironically, I did my rankings on the site right before we went live, and I ranked those five the exact way you just ranked the five of them. So uh, I guess I'm in agreement there. Uh, just impossible to fade Scheffler at this point with the way he's playing tee to green. 
Uh, so, you know, while a lot of times I'll fade the chalkiest guy in the top range, just really tough to do that right now. He's on one of the hottest tee to green stretches that we've seen in, uh, in a few years here. So, uh, like Scheffler the best, I think you can mix and match the rest of the, the bunch. I don't have a strong take, but I did rank him Rom, Cantlay, Brooks, Hovland, same order you did there. So, but I will probably look to start a lot of lineups right below this tier. Um, you know, Rory, while he hasn't shut the door the last couple of weeks, it's good to see that he's at least been in the mix. I think that's enough to say he's a in play at a U.S. Open course where he's 9,900. Uh, Shawfully always, you know, pops and I can see that he's popping a Noto's model in these types of events. Uh, could this perhaps be a time that Max Homa with his familiarity in California can do something in a major. Uh, and then you got, you know, guys with injury concerns, slight injury concerns with Spieth and Morikawa uh, here in the nine K range as well. Noto, I'll let you go first on this uh, next year. Yeah. You mentioned Xander. It's hard not to like him. It does look like he's going to be very popular. But, uh, man, he's played in six U.S. Opens, never finished worse than T14 uh, from California. Uh, he's got a lot of ties with the area. He's obviously familiar with the golf course. He's been good in majors. Uh, he rates out well on difficult courses. He rates out well in terms of the whole yardage breakdown that I do each week. And he's been in good form, too. He's been uh, a top 25 machine. Now, whether he can break through and win, that's another story. I do think I'm going to bet him anyway because uh, I'm always a sucker for uh, trust in my model, but uh, that's a good price point. I don't mind starting lineups there. Uh, Rory, I have no idea what to do with Rory. I mean, two Sundays in a row where he's kind of let everyone down uh, when he's been in contention. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. I do like Max Homa. Uh, you mentioned another California guy. Um, can he finally break through and do it at a major? This is apparently one of his favorite courses. So um, I'm willing to you know play him, even though he doesn't have the major track record. The big question for me is going to be Spieth. Um, I want to get Jacob's take on that. Uh, obviously, he was dealing with the wrist injury, but he came back, played great at Memorial. Um, a couple of people that have seen him recently have said, you know, they haven't seen him strike the ball this well in a very long time. So that's definitely uh, interesting to me. Um, and then the bottom of the range, I really like Cam Smith, the 9,000. This is just kind of a magical type of course. And, uh, man, he's got that everything but off the tee. He's kind of got going for him. Um, he talked about, you know, losing some motivation at the start of the year, and he kind of really ramped it up before the Masters. So uh, technically, you know, if this is, you know, in terms of a golf season, you know, he's only a few months in um, in terms of, you know, really prepping hard. So I think he's interesting at 9K flat. All right, Jacob, uh, your takes on this range. So just kind of a quick question as I analyze this range. Storyline-wise, do you think that some guys, even though they said that they did not know anything, knew that something was up? You know, I got a different vibe in the around the PJ Championship, and shortly after, there wasn't as much. You know, I hate you, Brooks. I hate you. I mean, they all hate Patrick Reed, probably. was <laughs> a goofball. So, if there is this kind of like unwritten thing that hey, this live tour is going away, um, not that it affects how the guys play golf as golf, but from a narrative standpoint, it's a guy like Cam Smith. Do they feel more comfortable now seeing Brooks play well? Maybe they know that, hey, they're going to have to pay a fine, but they can come back, right? Do they – does that affect anything? You know, does it affect how people – like, I'm very anti-live. Like, does it affect how I might pick people? So um, that's kind of kind of rumbling around my head. I think Mac, Max Home is too expensive. I mean, how does he get that bump just because he's from there? Do you remember, like, I don't know, five or six, seven years ago, what was it? Fitzpatrick said my favorite golf course was – 
wasn't it Harbortown and yeah, yeah. to win. I mean, just because somebody's played there, like he's too expensive for his price for from a performance based standpoint. Like like five hundred cheaper than Rory. I mean, Rory feels like way too cheap. A guy that drivers supposedly is a weapon out here. If you can drive the ball down there and and he hits his long irons as good as anybody. I want to. I, I I'll preface this by saying I never get Rory right, but I want a lot of Rory this week. Same with Xander. I really like both of those guys. Not sure about Colin. I think he's injured enough that unless I get some different news, I just don't think he's the the golfer I want exposure to. I mean, Jordan appears to be healthy and ready to go, hitting it well. Um, you know, a guy that should always contend in the U.S. Open, in my opinion. I always stray away from the defending champion. I don't. It's just one of those like you know fallacies that I stick with. I just or superstitions. I just always kind of stray away from. Although I do like Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's won a major and he's cheaper than Homa. I just, I don't get it. And Noto, he brought up an interesting point there about maybe the mindset of some of these guys. Uh, is that going to be a little bit different now, knowing that, you know, they're probably, it's probably not going to be their last so-and-so major because of the golf world golf ranking points, or, you know, there is going to be a path back on to the PGA Tour at some point. Uh, do you put any stock into that? It was a thought that kind of crossed my mind as well. Uh, it's interesting for sure. I mean, the best guys from Live had some exemptions for a while anyway, um, you know, being Brooks and Cam Smith and, and DJ and them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. Um, I don't know what we can do with that, you know, actionable, actionable when it comes to DFS. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. And, uh, you know, as far as Fitzpatrick, man, uh, I agree with you that, you know, the defending champ, uh, it's kind of hard to see him going back to back. But when you think of a guy that can just, you know, put it wherever he wants off the tee, uh, he hits that lower ball too. So he's going to get a ton of rollout uh, on these on these fairways. So I think he's at least interesting. You know, I might not win, but uh, 9100, I think he's interesting. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move down into the 8K range. Uh, some interesting names here. Uh, our early numbers um, still have a lot of ownership on Matsuyama, which uh, surprises me a little bit. I think that might go down uh, throughout the week. There's been some reports of him still struggling a bit with his various injuries. Uh, Hatton's been playing well. Fina always tends to be popular in these types of events. Uh, Justin Thomas, it seems like people are finally exiting kind of his uh ship here um in terms of where ownership lands with him appearing to be cheap just has had trouble putting it all together this year you got lowry m uh dj burns and jason day also uh, and cam young all in that 8k range this week uh jacob i'll throw this 8k range to you first what do you think really makes me sick to my stomach but i like dj a lot at that price i mean it's just too cheap i think so look, when we had the masters you had brooks was like 7,600 or something like that, right? Way too yep. cheap. And so you had to account for that. Like DJ at 8,300, is, is this the DJ like that's dominated and played well? I mean, we don't know, but we saw Brooks play well, right? I mean, US Open champion, great driver of the golf ball. I mean, at 8,300, I mean, it's just, I think you have to, to really think about, he could be a guy if you don't have him that you have to shut your laptop day one. He plays well because he's going to be a good fit. He allows you to do it. He's going to fit in a lot of builds. So um, I like DJ a lot. Um, JT and, and Tony are, are two players at that price point I want exposure to. Hatton has played so well without winning. It's amazing, right? But does he have enough patience to win a U.S. Open and a major? Um, who 
putts worse right now, Shane Lowry or Scotty Scheffler? <laughs> I mean, not that uh, they're bad putters. The last few putters. events, it's Scheffler. been Scheffler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Shane Lowry's awful too, though. I mean, he has putted yeah. so poorly, right? If you've had any kind of like daily sweats on him, I and mean, he just like, I don't know, it just kind of wheels off. So, yeah, I mean, I think in that price range, those are the, the players I'm looking at. Sung Jay is just, he's not a guy that I want exposure to in a major. I just, until he proves me otherwise, I just think that. I'm kind of like dipping below that price point. Yeah, I don't love this 8K range a ton. Um, you know, I, I Noto mentioned earlier the 7K range is pretty loaded. I, I kind of agree with that. I think I'd rather play some of those guys. I do like the DJ call. Uh, of course, I played him over Brooks at the PGA, so that didn't work out very well. But I, I like the logic behind that. I like Finau here. Um, you know, Hatton's going to be really popular and seems to be the safe guy. Uh, but uh, Noto, your thoughts on the eight case? Yeah, real quick, uh, I want to answer a couple questions from the chat. Uh, Scott okay. Foster, NBA ref, uh, <laughs> he says, has Scotty played well uh, on the West Coast? Not seeing many results. We knows, you know, Rom obviously do- dominates there. So I looked it up, um, and Scheffler was where did it go? T twelve at the Genesis this year. Uh, T7 at the Genesis last year, T20 at the Farmers. So he doesn't play in California a lot, but uh, still some pretty good finishes for Scheffler in California. And then uh, Mr. Gerg, chat regular, wants to know, is Morikawa and Cam Young the two most overrated golfers on tour? Uh, I've always been kind of under the field uh, in terms of uh, Morikawa. So I can see it. He does have two major wins, so it's hard to call a two major winner uh, underrated or overrated, sorry. And then Cam Young, man, he's just been in bad form, I think. Uh, if you ignore what's happened the last four months, I mean, he's been one of the better golfers on tour, especially in majors. So any takes on those two questions? I'll take a stab. Uh, two majors, uh, hard to say overrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Cam Young, you, so you look at the talent set, right? Like what is he, you know, if we look at basketball players or baseball players. How does he play golf? How is his talent? I mean, this is the type of course, if he's like under 10%, I want some exposure to Cam Young, right? Because, like, this is the type of golf course. Driver's a weapon, great ball striker, right? 8K, what does he have to do for you? So, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I mean, there's so many talented players out there. Um, something on Scotty to note, I believe that they've had a few college events at this course, and he's played it and four times, too, so he knows it. I mean, as it was, you know, it's changed. But, um, yeah, I don't – I don't. it's hard to say overrated. Ricky was, like, always my longtime overrated guy. <laughs> And it's easy to, you know, it's easy for the most recent results to cloud judgment. It's all in how, you know, how you want to handle longer term form versus shorter term form. And Morikawa, you know, I just don't think he's been completely healthy here this year. So, you know, I I agree on the approach of just not playing him this week, but to call him overrated long term, you know, I I don't know. It feels a little unfair uh, given his his overall body of work. But all right, Noto, your thoughts on the eight case here. All right, so the best two golfers on the PGA Tour in terms of strokes game total this year, Scotty Scheffler, John Robb. Number three, Terrell Hatton. He's been incredible this season. He's been consistent. I know he's a hothead. I watched his round on Saturday, and I thought uh, he was going to go out in the crowd and start punching people. Um, so that's always a concern at a difficult course. But, hey, if this plays, you know, 13, 14 under par, like, you know, a couple people have suggested it might, then, uh, you know, maybe he won't get as mad as – as uh, we think, or yeah. even what if he's not 13 or 14 under par and he's five <laughs> over par, 
But I mean, even he's talked about it. Rom's talked about it. Like some guys just need to let out that steam instead of holding it inside and pretending like nothing's wrong. So, I mean, he's been playing so well that uh, I do like Haddon quite a bit. I've always liked Finau in California. Looks like uh, if he was in a little better form, I think he'd be more expensive and probably higher own. Um, and the same for Cam Young. So I'm going to be overweight on those two. And the rest of the range, other than DJ, I do like the DJ call um, from Jacob. But other than that, I don't have a strong take on anybody. Neither do I. I think the 7K range is where I'll land with a lot of plays, and we're going to get a little bit more chalk here in the 7K range than usual. I don't know what it is. It feels like the DraftKings algorithm didn't quite weight the most recent performances as much as usual. Um, you know, some of that's with the pricing being out earlier, but it's not like it was, you know, two weeks ago. The pricing came out late last week. So you got Fleetwood at 7,900. <clears throat> you've got Rose, who's been playing very well at 7,700. Uh, you've got uh, Adam Scott at 7,500. Wyndham Clark has been a little more hit or miss, but has some, uh, some high end results. Um, and, and, you know, a few other guys here in the 7Ks that are probably going to crack mid-teens in terms of ownership. Uh, so, uh, Noto, how you handle in kind of some of the chalky plays and who are some of your favorites? Yeah, it's always tough with guys coming off of an emotional loss. Um, if Tommy Fleetwood would have just, you know, finished T2 and not had to go into the playoff and lose, I would be very excited about playing him at 7,900. But, man, I just – I don't know what to do now that, uh, you know, coming off of that loss. He's a great fit for the course, I think. But uh, that ownership plus, I don't know – I just don't know. Um, he's had a lot of close calls in his career, so it's obviously not his first one. But that does worry me a little bit. I'm more willing to eat the chalk with Justin Rose. He's been playing great, especially with the irons. Uh, he's improved his accuracy off the tee this year, too, which I like. Um, and then the 7,500, I like Ricky Fowler. He's been a top 20 machine. I like Patrick Reed. Uh, he's been great at the U.S. Open throughout his career. He's been playing pretty well on Lib. Uh, he's made the cut in both of the majors so far this season, and then uh, Adam Scott as well. Uh, Australians tend to play well in California. Um, his ball striking numbers have been improving lately. The putter's been on fire for like a year now, and uh, another guy that I just like on you know tougher tracks. So I think a lot of the a lot of good chalk in this range. Um, and if you want to get away from it, um, my favorite is probably going to be Sahit Tagala. I mean, I've been underweight on this guy for 20 straight weeks now. Nobody wants to play him, even though uh, from Cal- California, I think he went to Pepperdine. Um, and he's supposed to be familiar with the course, good short game. And the, his biggest weakness is, you know, that he sprays it off the tee. And I don't think that's going to hurt him as much here as it would in most U.S. Opens. All right. I like the Adam Scott call. Uh, Connors is another guy that I think is interesting with Fleetwood and Rose kind of sandwiched around him uh, in terms of uh, price. Fleetwood's at 79, Rose at 77, Connors at 78. Won't get as much ownership as he otherwise uh, would normally at that price tag. So, uh, Jacob, your thoughts on the seven Ks here? So I still still like Fleetwood. Um, kind of surprised to see the ownership numbers as high early in the week, but I mean, just too cheap, right? Like I was a little bit surprised. I'm not sure who he worked with in the past, but I don't know if y'all caught on the coverage how he's joined the the Harmon camp. So working with Butch or Claude or someone in the family, right? So swinging well, putted really well too. One thing I will say about last week, as we if we think about trending this week, is that you saw a lot of putters that were used to putting on slower greens. I think they said they were close to eleven last week. So this week they won't be that. So 
Um, you know, if you're counting on him to have a, another hot putting week, uh, Fleetwood definitely putts. You know, he grew up playing over there in the greens and across the pond or traditionally slower. But I like, I mean, I think that you've got to have some some Fleetwood in your builds and rows. And I, I, I hate to say this, I kind of like Keegan Bradley a little bit this week. I'm looking in, in this range as I'm building, I'm trying to figure out what combos I want to pick. I'm trying not to put like how many of these guys is too many in your lineup, right? And then if you have them, I think you need to have a rule that you're not putting two of the most popular guys uh, together, right? If you're mixing match, if you're building 150, because I think you can make a case for, I'm not a big Wyndham Clark guy. I would take out Clark and Reed in my builds and probably Bryson, but I love Adam Scott. So like, as you're, as you're building these, you got to kind of mix and match the right combos. I want probably zero exposure to Tom Kim as much as I, I really like him long term. Yeah, good day, a good week that you can set some build rules and set a global cap on the projected ownership for your whole roster. Uh, that's another way you can do it. You can either you know, set rules to where you only play a max of one or two of a certain group in a lineup, uh, which is what Jacob was referencing there, or you can uh, set global uh, max lineup ownership for individual lineups, uh, which ends up kind of serving a similar function. So either of those methods would work. Uh, let's see. Noto, anything else on this range for you? I think that's it for me. All right. Uh, we can kind of maybe clean up the bottom part of the seven K range here. I didn't touch on a lot of these guys, but you got Nick Taylor coming off a win. looks like Siwoo Kim and Mito are going to get some ownership at the bottom part of the seven K range. Um, you know, guys that we've been targeting, at majors, Gary Woodland, uh, my boy Ryan Fox, uh, who's kind of cooled off a bit. Looks like we got Russell Henley with some ownership down here. But anything else above 7K for you, Noto? Yeah, a few guys, um, the popular ones. I do like Mito Pereira. He's been in great form on Live. Um, he's you know popped at the PGA Championship last year. Had some good ball striking numbers um, at the PGA Championship this year. Um, I don't have a ton of interest in Siwoo at 12%. Um, he's a guy that you know rates out pretty well for me, but – I'm okay looking elsewhere. Danny McCarthy, last time we saw him, he talked about um, loving hard golf courses and uh, nearly won a memorial. So uh, I like him this week at 7,200. You mentioned Woodland. He's been a top 10 ball striker on tour. He's won a U.S. Open in California. So um, his game seems to be trending in the right direction. And then Russell Henley is 7,100. If you don't want to play the bomber narrative, um, you know, he's, he's more of the accuracy iron type. And uh, he's been playing well, four top 20s in his last five starts. So guy that uh, historically was very consistent and kind of rounding into form before the third major. Yeah, I don't mind him this week as well if the that ownership stays around that 5 to 7% range too. Uh, Jacob, your thoughts on rounding out the 7K range? I like Harris English a lot. Um, someone who's been playing better, has a decent U.S. Open uh, record. So he's gained shots and – T to green in his last three starts in the U.S. Open, kind of getting his form back together. I don't think he'll be very popular, so he could be somebody that um, you could you could pivot to. So he has a, a third and a fourth prior to last year, and, I mean, battled some health issues, right? So I think that price more appropriate to his recent form, but prior to that was trending in a, in a better direction. Um, I like uh, Ryan Fox, the bomber narrative. Um Cam Davis kind of interests me, right? He's been playing pretty good. So I think I want some exposure to Cam Davis. I, I, I really 
as I start to build rosters, though, I, I think I only want one of these types of golfers on my roster, right? The lower than 7,500. Um, Siwoo Kim just always interests me just because of the way he plays golf, but he's been absolutely awful in the U.S. Open, so I'm not quite sure where I'll end up on him. But I, I think that you can fall in love with some of these names, like Keith Mitchell's played well this year, but you know when you start really thinking about what do you want out of this price range, these are guys that you have to have do more than make the cut. So um, that's kind of where I stand on this range. I'm not super crazy about it. Yeah, the seventy-five to seventy-nine hundred dollar range is definitely the spot where you're going to find more of the safer plays and guys that maybe have a little bit more upside. Uh, and then that's especially true. And and to Jacob's point earlier in the show, once you get into the six K range, it gets pretty ugly in a hurry. Um, you know, Moronk was one guy that he missed the cut on the number last week, but he was really the only guy rolling through the six Ks that I thought, you know, hey, I've got some interest in this guy. Um, you know, I, I just uh, I don't find a whole lot here that you feel comfortable rostering in a U.S. Open. Obviously, you know, with the format of the U.S. Open and the fact that there's a lot of local qualifiers and part of what makes the U.S. Open so special, but it also makes the bottom of the field pretty weak. So, um, Noda, anything uh, below 7K that's uh, sticking out for you? Yeah, a few guys that will make my player pool. Uh, Moronk is one of them. You mentioned him. Uh, I like Patrick Rogers. You know, went to Stanford. Uh, so very familiar in California. He's been having a good season as well. Um, Adam Hadwin, as long as there's no internal bleeding, I think uh, he's interesting <laughs> because he always plays well in California. And then, I mean, Putnam rates out well, Shank, Dylan Wu, but uh, nobody that I really you know want to play. Other Actually, I do like Sam Stevens a little bit. Uh, one of the better total drivers of the ball. He's been playing well recently. And, uh, you know, he qualified um, through sectionals and then uh, withdrew last week. So I think he just headed straight to California to get some practice in, which I kind of like this week. I kind of like the guys that didn't end up playing last week more than the ones that did. Get chances to get a few more looks at the course, maybe with all the quirks. Uh, Jacob, anybody below 7K that you like? I like the Rogers call. You know, I mean, he's he's qualified for this event three years in a row going through the longest day in golf, which is the – the 36 hole qualifier uh, two weeks before. So from the area, just, you know, guy that you can't fall in love with and lock in every roster, right? Cause he's definitely volatile, but like at that price range, I mean, I think that he's got enough upsides, uh, should be familiar with the golf course. There's just not a whole lot in this range. I mean, I think that you start looking down. So you go like what, what golfers are underpriced or could help you get some, you know, top end salary relief. I mean, I don't. I'm not a fan of him personally because he go. He went to the live. But Thomas Peters, there's a talent, right? Um, major championships played in a handful of them. Um, you know, a long hitter off the tee. I wouldn't mind having some exposure to him. There's enough upside. But outside of that, I mean, maybe you start you start digging down. You might like a Sam Bennett. Like he's played well at the Masters. Didn't play well last week, but you just start looking at what types of golfers. If I'm picking somebody from down here, they definitely have to excel at driving the golf ball and, and, and hitting a long way, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I think I saw a note also, um, just as a small word of caution on Peters. I think he withdrew mid-round during the last live event. Uh, I did not cross-check that, but I did see that on Twitter today. Um, 
I like the call. If he's healthy, though, uh, as a guy that, you know, could potentially surprise down here. All right. Uh, anything else? Noto, anybody else? Uh, the random guy that pops in the model. Last week it was Peter Quest, who actually played good for a couple rounds. Yeah. Um, this week it is, where do you go? Jacob Solomon. Don't know anything about him. 6,100. And Alejandro Del Rey was the other one. So. We need uh we need Skyhook to come on and talk about those type of guys, but uh, yeah, popping in the model. All right, probably not gonna make my player pool. 